Hello everyone, welcome to Double DM Podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Emil, and this is the first episode of Double DM. However, if this is your first time listening, you do not have to listen to this one first. The episodes are unconnected and there's no continuity whatsoever. Sure, we reference some episodes now and then, but each episode is contained in itself. So you do not have to start here. You can start wherever you want. And if you want my recommendation, start with episode 101 or the start of season two of Double DM. It has the best audio quality, we are way more experienced and generally just have better things to say. I personally cannot listen to this one, but I will keep it up forever because you should always look at where you began. And now, without further ado, let's listen to episode one of Double DM Podcast. Welcome. Welcome to the very first episode ever of Double DM, a new podcast of two DMs from Germany just talking roleplay stuff, especially D&D, but other systems as well. If you want to hang out, be sure, uh, be sure to follow us on our channels and let's get into the first episode. Today we are uh, here just to introduce ourselves. Um, I am, my name is Niels, I'm from Germany, living in Berlin. And with me today is... Yes, uh, my name is Emil. I'm also from Berlin, living here since my birth. That's good. Uh, probably. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it would be weird if you would live here before that, to be honest. Yes, kinda. So, um, would you uh, like to give us an introduction who you are? Okay. Real Who quick, am I? Real quick. Um, I'm 21 years old now. Um, I mostly play D&D these days, but I also play a German role-playing games since the very beginning of my role-playing career, you could say. Uh, the Black Eye, or in German Das Schwarze Auge. Um, yeah, I study computer science uh, in Berlin. Mm. I am getting ready to move out of my parents' house right now. Mm -hmm. While still in quarantine, of course. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's actually also how this podcast got done because we both are in quarantine, or not in quarantine, but in lockdown and wanted to talk D&D &D and stuff because we both are I think every DM is a very talkative person. Every DM is. Every every DM kind of wants to talk to people because Definitely. that's the whole description of what you do. And I at least have not encountered a DM who is really shy. And I mean, not the shy like meeting new people and being and having anxiety on what they would think about you, but the real shy shy like not talking to anyone new because yeah that would be pretty counterproductive actually oh yes yeah um what about you who are you uh, i am as previously mentioned niels i'm living in berlin as well born and raised and i'm 22 years old now and uh, i am studying chemistry right now at the Technical University in Berlin. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm already moved out. And yeah, just doing my thing. I want to talk about D&D and role-playing stuff. And I thought, who would be the better person than Emil? <laughs> so... I feel honored. Very <laughs> yeah, honored. You should, you should. <laughs> um... Actually, I think we both got to know each other uh, uh, through a friend of ours. Um, oh, yes. Through some birthday parties, started talking, heard we both like the same Should we systems. mention his name? 
Like, can we men do that? We know that if if he's comfortable with that. I think he already knows who he is. Uh, if we're talking about him, yeah, it's the same person who uh, composed our little jingle on and uh, before our intro. What you probably so, heard before this episode, we hope that uh, yeah. we'll have it for the first episode, or that, uh, that oh. it works with the first episode. Which oh yeah, we hope so. Does. So um, his name is Paul, uh, and he has—he's um, also on Spotify. If we want if you want to check him out, if there's a jingle that you like, it's uh, called—he's called the Screw Diver. In not on Driver, as I've thought for nearly a year. Yeah, same, same. It's just like a screw, and then you, and then a diver, not the driver. Yeah. Didn't he uh, drop his first EP like recently? Uh, I think actually it was a second. Oh, a second! Oh my god, I, I, I think that I yeah. didn't hear the first one. Yeah. Uh, let me just. Wh while you research that, I will I will make a quick disclaimer for the people hearing this. Um, we yeah. are both German, as you've already guessed and heard. So please excuse any translation error pronunciation error we do because normally we would speak in german to each other with a lot of english in between because we both think when when it comes to dnd i always have thoughts thoughts in english never in german even though i speak only german with my groups yeah. I, i write the things in german Everything I, I need to write down, all my notes, every dialogue is written in German and made in German. But the thought of that dialogue, of that NPC, is in English. And it's very hard for me to translate from English to German, kind of. And back, it's actually not so hard from German to English because... Your every thoughts already were in, in English, yes, so... Every, every, every content for D&D that I consume on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, anything else is in English. So when I think of the medium D&D or any other tabletop RPG, I think of English, except for one. And that is the aforementioned Das Schwarze Auge, the Black Eye, which I play with still one of my uh, one regular group i'm not the dm of that group but someone else is and yes he he, he uh, that's all in english and because the system is german primarily and gets translated into english it's the only system when i play it i really think in german like in the session yeah. i have i have english thoughts that i need to translate for my players to german Yeah. And this is why we do the podcast in English, mainly because um, because English is kind of the language of D&D. And um, many people that would listen to this probably don't speak German. And then we wouldn't really interact with anyone. For example, on Twitter, um, I'm very active on Twitter. Um Probably some of you hearing this have come through my Twitter account to this podcast, uh, int Master Overspace on Twitter, or just Master at Master Overspace. And, well, most people I interact with there are not even German. So why should I make a podcast in German if those people that maybe listen to this, that I maybe interact with on Twitter, that give this a listen, they don't... Uh, here they don't understand what I'm saying if I would start to talk German uh, four times exactly and the uh, complete goal of this podcast to be uh, to let's say it like that is to make money to... <laughs> exactly no um, it is <laughs> to interact with you guys to just spread out some ideas we have in our heads talk about stuff all of that and it wouldn't be possible with such a range if we wouldn't do it in English. So Especially also get the ideas from <clears throat> other people. Like if, if anyone exactly. wants to interact with us, um, to give us an idea for another episode, maybe, uh, please be free to hit 
either our Twitter up at WDMPod or WDM on WDM Podcast on Twitter or my Twitter account at least because I manage the social media right now for us. Um, yep. And yeah, we will probably think about making an episode on nearly every topic people can send us. Be it world building, be it certain maybe political topics you want. Everything that is tabletop related, we could do. If anyone wants to talk about the implications of uh, Joe Biden on Joe Biden as president has on D and D, and we actually think about this and find something, can make an episode about it. But I don't want to get into politics on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, it's not. just um, if it has some ties to somewhat of a role-playing mechanism, game system, whatever, we will probably talk about it, but it wouldn't or it will not be a like, direct political podcast. Let, let, let me get this out there. Nazis are <laughs> shit. We both live in German. We have been taught Nazis are shit. We believe Nazis are shit. And we are the first people to, well... Um, how would I how would I phrase that? Uh, bludgeon a Nazi in the streets. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> at least I, metaphoric, I, metaphorically. I would fight a Nazi. And if it yes, would come to that, sure. everyone is allowed to take that out of context and put that everywhere. <laughs> Feel yes, free to. Please do. Please, <clears throat> please do. Please quote me on. I would fight a Nazi. That's, that's, that's something I, I that's something I, I would stand by as well definitely I, I, I want to dream of that someone remembers <laughs> me that he would want to fight a Nazi not not want but will um, <laughs> yeah no any kind of racism sexism or any sort of um, discrimination against others is hugely not tolerated on here yeah for us, uh, it's very important that everyone feels inclusive, especially in this medium. I, I am. I, I I know this is now. Uh, we are already at ten minutes of recording, but I I want to get this out there. I have not been bullied for DD or any other role playing game. We and my friends at school were just the weird kids that played weird games. But we were not bullied. I think no one actually. Well, not many people were bullied at my school. I believe there were people because it's just how schools work, kind of, which is yeah. very sad. But um, I know people who have been bullied because they play these games. And now there are people trying to gatekeep other people into getting into this medium, especially with that recent wheelchair debate about the Candle Keep Mysteries adventure that there's a dungeon that is accessible for wheelchair users which in my opinion is one of the greatest things to ever happen that an official books an official book from Wizards of the Coast says wheelchairs are an actual possibility or at least that there's an accessibility for dungeons for, for them and some people really want to gatekeep other people from playing this game just because they don't think it's realistic. Those people need to think about that other people get bullied for this hobby, for this passion we all have. Like, this is just weird. It's your... Yes, I can... I cannot understand that you want to hate on people just because they are different. That is exactly what people did to maybe you or maybe other people in this medium when they were young. Like, like why can't people understand that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's beyond me, but and I know this, is, and this debate has been going on and we all agree. Yeah, and ju just to clarify, this podcast is completely free or should be free and it will not be tolerated in any sort of thing. Bullying racism, sexism, stuff like that. Everything related to that is definitely not tolerated here. Yes. So just to get this straight out, if you think about this stuff, having a place here, just leave. Yes. 
as I said before, I would fight a Nazi. This also goes for every racist or sexist mm -hmm. out there. Exactly. I will fight you if I have so, to. And I want to. After uh, we got all this stuff out of the way, I, I think we can get right into the first wait, episode. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we have to talk about something. Is it the first EP or the second EP from Screwdiver? Oh, yeah, right. It was actually the second. Okay, so he has two EPs or on Spotify. Or, no, it was the first EP, but he has an album on there already. Oh, okay, so... And two singles. So, so, so he has yeah. some music on Spotify that people can listen to. I have exactly. listened to the EP that came out recently, and I really liked his music. I, yeah. I, I knew he made music, but I uh, never really listened to him, because since um, we are not in the same school anymore, I and Paul, we don't get to interact much except for birthdays or something, or, or any celebrations like that. So uh, I just saw the account on Instagram that he had one, and I thought, hey, wait, that's Paul, but never really acknowledged that it is really a music account from him. But now that I have uh, found out that he actually has an EP, I have also listened to it, and it's actually really, really great. It's, I, I, I actually love yeah. the music. Uh, my favorite single is uh, the Thirst single, he, which he dropped last year. Ooh. Yeah, that's my favorite song of him. So, yeah. Yes. Then, let's get to it. How did you start role-playing? And did you start as a player, or did you just get straight into DMing, or what was your experience with that? Okay, my first experience with any kind of uh, role-playing was actually in my eighth grade. Now I am nearing the end of my bachelor's degree uh, for computer science. Probably only two semesters away from finishing my bachelor's. My bachelor. So uh, just to clarify, in Germany we have uh, uh, the regular length of school time with um, the with our high school degree would be twelve years. Yes, twelve years. So plus... twelve grades of school. So and three years for a regular bachelor's degree, yeah, I, just I to clarify. It's, it's, it's ten years ago, was it now? Um, uh, yeah. Warte mal. Uh, wait, <laughs> shit, that's the German. Sometimes coming out if I want to type in German. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but... I wanted, I wanted to research how old you are in eighth grade, because I know it's it was in eighth grade, uh, 14 to 13 years. So it was like nine, eight to 10 years ago, something like that. Mm. Um, we've had a, 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 a school trip, a class trip, uh, one week into I don't know where. Like, like those normal school trips we have here in Germany. Like um, the one week trips you, you do like two times in your life or three times. Yeah. In school uh, going somewhere, uh, somewhere in, in, in the in middle the of countryside, nowhere. German Doing, countryside. Yes, uh, I think it was. Um, no, no, no. It was um, Rügen, hmm. um, which is a, a big island, half island uh, in Upper Germany, in, in northern Germany. Yeah. It's actually a lovely place to be there, and. Whether we stayed at a, not a hotel, not a motel, at a Jugendherberge in English, keine Ahnung. Um, I don't it, know. It, would, it yeah. would be kind of a hostel for a, stu a student hostel, kind of. Thing yeah, ki with, kind of. Uh, kind, kind of uh, the rooms uh, were fitted hospital. out with bunk beds and stuff like that. Not a hospital, uh, a, a oh. hotel for <laughs> students. Uh, yeah. Very cheap accommodations and a very, very easy way to get to easily everything. affordable. Uh, yeah, you know, easily easily connected to the to the streets, to the, to yeah. the uh, open transportation network. Well, on the way there, we were using we were traveling by Deutsche Bahn and well by train and there we. 
um, there, uh, before that, our friend, one of my friends, um, asked uh, my friend group, which consists of John, Sönke, I don't know if I'm allowed to say Sönke, but I <clears> think he doesn't have a problem with that, myself and that friend, who I don't really don't know if I'm allowed to say his name, so I won't do, um, asked if we wanted to play uh, role-playing games, because he has played them before with his father and his brother. And he wanted us, his friends, to get into the hobby as well. So he did. And he said, yes, of course. Um, so we created characters on the way there. I was, um, that, that was, that, that is actually Das Schwarze Auge, the black eye. So it's not D&D, but I was sort of an elven ranger. I had a bow, mm -hmm. I, I, I was shooting. And that was classic first time stuff. That was the first edition of uh, the Black Eye, I think, or at least a very, very, very toned down of what it's today. So it was just, you have a bow, shoot it. That was all of it. And basically, we did that, and we then uh, got into our room. And now the first thing, uh, what, what makes us actually so funny. We, we thought, okay, we had like three hours of stuff, three hours to do every day with what we wanted to do. So we thought, okay, maybe why don't we play uh, five three-hour sessions every evening after dinner and then go to bed or something. The first thing our teachers said were that they were um, randomizing the groups for the rooms. Oh boy. Uh, everyone in the class um, protested against this, against this, so our teacher had to choose our own rules. But it was a kind of moment of shock because we wouldn't have been able to play the game. And maybe, if, if, if maybe, this randomization would have gone through, I maybe would not be here where I am right now. We are not really recording this podcast. It could be a possibility, which is extremely wild. Then yeah. we got into uh, a room. Oh, yeah. We set up everything. There was a store across the street, and we did go uh, there to buy stuff. And there were these five-liter pure sugar juice boxes for 89 cents. Oh, yeah, those those kind of things. Yeah, I yeah. remember them. Yes. A friend of mine uh, recently posted a photo of them because he found them again. But those things... We just all grabbed two of those, and we were five in the room. There was another friend who, because the rooms were always five, so we made him play with us. Um, so we were five, so we had ten of these canisters or something. And they weren't even ten, ten euros. They yeah, were that, like eight that, euros. crazy. They were, they were eight euro ninety. Um, Which is crazy to think about. This is enough to drink for five guys for a full week, at least. Yeah. Just for those evenings. <laughs> uh, we also got some chips, dips, gummy bears, all that stuff. Huh? Snacking stuff. Snacking stuff. And then we started playing. Um, I can't actually remember much of the story because it was very basic. Like, fight some bandits. The, the, the usual stuff. Yeah, the, the, the things you have to remember, do. it's eight to ten years ago, so of course the memory has faded, obviously. Oh, yes. uh, but I remember one thing quite fondly, because that new player I was just talking about, the, the fifth guy in the room, the fifth wheel, fifth wheel on the wagon, yeah? Sounds dumb, but he was not supposed to be in the group, but of course we wouldn't uh, gatekeep him why he was in the room from playing with us. We wanted him to play with us, and he agreed, because he was actually also a friend of ours, but we just didn't think that he would... Uh, he wasn't just a pick for the for the, for the the game. So, yeah. But we let him play with us, of course, because we are friends, and we do that as friends. Yeah? Yeah? yeah. Gatekeeping is bullshit. And with him, um, I... No, not I... Um, Zynke's dwarf 
and his half-elf or elf went to the blacksmith. And that blacksmith should was supposed to forge them a sword or something, or uh, examine a forged sword to find out who was behind that or something. And mm -hmm. uh, that new friend, I will just call him V, like in Cyberpunk 2077. Um, he, with his elf who had a rapier, uh, actually um, tried to um, not kill him, but um, threaten the blacksmith into giving him the sword for free or something, or giving him everything <coughs> for free. For free. So what did our DM do? Uh, he described the scene as as they both went into the into the blacksmith shop that he was just forging a sword. So what did the blacksmith do? He oh, reached boy. behind him, <coughs> grabbed that, grabbed the two-handed greatsword, which was still hot, and slammed it in in the direction of the elf. Oh boy. He, yeah. he actually don't, I actually don't think he hit. Like it was not a hit. He didn't kill him instant because that thing probably could have killed him instantly. So yeah, low level characters. Um, They're very fragile. Yeah. Uh, the Schwarze Auge had, uh, has a very good way of not making it uh, such a big distinction between level one and like five. Um, you don't gain enough money, many hit points, but uh, there's other ways of progression, like mm -hmm. advancing in skill sets and, and so on. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is, the guards were not uh, far and heard that, heard the commotion and, and went to check it out. What did our dwarf do? He made it look like he arrested the elf for... Well, not not not, not it wasn't wasn't really his intention, I think. It was just the way it looked to the guards when they came in. That dwarf and the blacksmith uh, caught the culprit of uh, that threatened the blacksmith. So they arrested the, those the, that elf and handed the dwarf uh, an award for being such a good citizen. That's some quick thinking there. So then the campaign switched from let's kill some bandits to let's find our friend the elf. Like, get him out of prison or something. Mm -hmm. And came Damn. up, one of, one of our wizards, who was played by John, had the amazing idea. I think he had that idea. To turn... The, the, the imprisoned elf into an into a potted plant just smuggled him out of prison. Think about this. Oh. All right, so nobody to... would expect a potted plant to be a prisoner. Yeah, just to be clear here, so your, <clears throat> uh, your friends went into a blacksmith shop. Threatened, or uh, one of them threatened the blacksmith. He got arrested, and your new goal, instead of fighting bandits, was to get him out of prison. So your wizard just thought of transforming him into a pot plant. Yes. Yeah. Damn. There's yeah, also another good. quick thing from that game, because um, we played that. Well, there are many things I can talk about, but I, I want to touch on this, on the experience of what happened in the game. Maybe I will get to the what happened out game in the later episode, or maybe when we have time. <clears throat> there was a door in a bandit outpost or something, and I think it was the dwarven again, Zunke's dwarf, that um, slammed the door open. That door slammed against the wall, and uh, because of physics, uh, Newton's laws uh, slammed back into his direction. He wanted to dodge that one. He rolled a critical on that die. He rolled another critical on the next die, and the next, and the next. And since then, we think about this as... Um, he dodged the door not only with dexterity, but also with courage, strength, 
constitution and intelligence. He dodged the door with his intelligence. Basically. <laughs> he just teleported into another dimension just to dodge the door. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, those are the memories I hold very fondly from that first game. Um, there were also some out-of-game memories, for example, one time our teacher came into the room to check if we were sleeping because we were like 12 years old. Like, that's still a point where the mm. teachers have to check on those people if they are okay. And they checked on us, and um, our teacher came in. What? You're not sleeping? Um, you, you were so quiet. Uh, like, she, she thought we were sleeping. We were the... Um, but we weren't. We were just on the table, like whispering to ourselves to not, um, to not be too loud. Not because we overstepped anything of this of the limit of the time limit and should have been asleep or something, but just because we were too quiet and focused on our game and we didn't scream out uh, necessarily. She thought we were sleeping. Came in, looked at us, looked, looked back, and then she said, "Yeah, okay, continue." Because all the other groups were way too loud. They were hearing music, they were playing board games and screaming and anything like that. It, it was crazy. Really crazy. Is, yeah. And, I, I remember those trips. Yeah. One last uh, thing before 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 I give it before I have to give the same question to you, of course. We had this one time where we were sitting there. It was already dark outside. Like it was, I don't know when we had that school trip, in, like like uh, in the year, but it was dark already. So I still don't think it was midsummer or something. Um, and there was like a guard for that whole estate, for the whole complex of buildings we were in. And he was driving around like a little golf cart. Mm -hmm. Or something. And we were playing at the window to get to some fresh air because it can it can actually very fast get quite sticky in a room full of role playing people i have uh, i have realized so we were played with uh, near the window and we saw him like driving around then looking up at us and and and, and making some sort of of angry look like we should have been asleep but then he just drove off and away. Like he, oh. he didn't care really for it because he, like he heard us and thought it's not okay that we are still awake because that group should be asleep right now. But we weren't that loud, so I don't think he actually considered, like, telling every anyone about it because we were just there sitting at a table playing games. Yeah, it is so surreal for me that I have, for nearly 10 years of my life, and this is one of the primary hobbies in life of my from, from myself. Like gaming, video games, tabletop RPGs, and maybe some sports. Some. Like yeah. Recently, I have, made, I have done a lot of kendo, which is Japanese sword fighting. For everyone, for anyone wondering, but next to those, to 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 any to any activity in, in sports regard and video games, it's only tabletop RPGs for me, and I'm actually quite happy that this great medium was opened to me by a friend, and after many years, finally seeing the community on Twitter engaging with people on Twitter and having fun with those people with because of this medium is so surreal for me. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how creative, how engaging this community about all kinds of role playing is actually. Oh, yes. I, I firmly believe this is the <clears throat> best community I've ever been in. Yeah, I, probably I can't one of think the best, of yeah. any other community I've been in. I've I've, I am playing a lot of League of Legends, and everyone knows that community is oh, toxic damn. because it's oh, very damn. competitive. Yeah. And I'm also watching a watch of eSport, League of Legends, CSGO, StarCraft something, um, Valorant. Those es where the eSport communities are not as toxic and more like um, trying to be the best together, not in a toxic way, where the uh, normal scene 
is very toxic in those games, but the competitive one isn't. Also when people so when people talk about the esports stuff, they are not toxic or something. But, but in game, nothing are. has <clears throat> blundered me nearly so so shocked actually that the community of D and D and table options is so nice to each other, so inclusive, yeah. so engaging with each other, so so fun to be with. Yeah. It's, it's so real. All the different channels you can think of: Twitter, Reddit, even comments down on uh, under YouTube videos. If you have a question and ask them, nobody will judge you for you have or you having that question. They just answer it the way they think they would handle it, or give their opinion on it. It's pretty yes. damn nice. Sure, there are some exceptions. Like like every forum experience is that sh there are some people that are just yeah, that's easy. Why do why are you even asking or something when you ask a question on a forum? But that's just normal experience this, this forum. This has nothing to do with D D. That's everywhere. I see, yeah. especially when coding. Like there are so many people asking a question, and some people just write that's fucking easy. Get wrecked, scrub or something. Like this is not helpful. The D&D community actually has not that much of it because yeah. those people Surprising, are, as you said, surprisingly so low amount of it. They are so helpful. It's crazy. It's really crazy. Yeah. So, before um, I take up all the time, um, <laughs> I would like to ask you: What is your first story of playing or DMing D&D? D&D. Uh, so actually, my first time encountering or engaging in a actual play, uh, game of D&D was um, in a game which you DM'd, actually. We played at John's, I think. Yes. And we played uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I have to say something about that quick. That campaign is still ongoing, but just with other oh. people and other characters. <sighs> Oh, damn. <laughs> and I think it was about six years ago? Four so. years or something, three. I think. No, no way. It Just was um, the time damn. when John still had his girlfriend, his, 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 his first girlfriend. Mm -hmm. That was... When we started university, that was three, three or four years ago. All right. Damn. Yeah. Then uh, about three to four years ago, and um, I rolled the stereotypical first-time noob character, a human fighter, and I actually rolled pretty well on the stats. Uh, stats. But uh, Zünke, the player you mentioned before in your first story, had a, um, a similar kind of um, character he wanted to play. He was a, wrote, a ranged bullfighter, I think. Yeah, exactly. But he wrote so incredibly high on every damn stat that I was nearly useless, but was still included in everything we had to do. That was awesome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that was the first time I um, engaged in a game of D&D. My first role-playing experience was actually through a German online television um, channel called The Rocket Beans. Oh, yeah. Had, yeah, they had this um, pen and paper stuff uh, called Tears. Uh, that was the first thing I played with a group of people, and the first time I played role-playing games was actually as a DM, because we were all new to the hobby, and somebody had to run the game, so Sorry. I just said, well, let me do it then. Yeah, someone and has to do it always. Definitely. And I just, it was, a, it was uh, looking back at it, it was just a mess. I copied the um, uh, the story nearly wanted one 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 but it was I, I wasn't really that experienced so I was kind of startled flustered when uh, not 
uh, when not everything went to, like, according to the plan. It was just, uh, that's something I just learned in DMing over and over and over again. But yeah, I just grabbed two or three friends and started playing. Yeah, that's how everyone kind of starts, right? Um, yeah. My first gaming experience actually was kind of weird. Because I told my parents about uh, playing Das Schwarze Auge with my friends on that class trip, that school trip. And they, my, my father said, where we played that too, when we were like 20 years old. Like, 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 like 15 mm -hmm. years ago at that point, probably. And I was like, what? You actually did? And he showed me, like, pages of notes from their game, from the first official edition of that game. I was so amazed by it that I yeah. asked him, ever think about getting that group back together and playing a weird one-shot with as the DM or game master. Actually, something similar happened to me. I um, talked to, uh, to my father as well about D&D, and he said, yeah, well, I really love to play that game back in my day, and he played the second edition, so advanced D&D. Mm -hmm. And uh, he all, uh, still knew what his character was, what he would like to do, and stuff like that. And started, or we started to think about not that long ago of creating a story and creating a group around it to actually play again. But this time in probably fifth edition, because I don't know anything about advanced D&D or th uh, 3.5 or fourth edition. Yeah, no, uh, I actually probably won't find the notes right now, but I actually remember one thing that was written on that note. Because they had like, character portraits of themselves. I think they were hand-drawn. There were notes below them. And the group consisted of my father as the DM, or the game master, my mother, um, the brother of my mother, and his wife, my aunt. And some other people, I think. But those, those were not really any more into the, into the game, you could say. Like my father was actually quite interested in actually seeing me thrive at my hobby as Eric, as nearly every parent should be about their kids, interested in them. But she also was very interested in playing that game like after 15 or 20 years of evolution. Oh, like, yeah. Because the Schwarze Auge has also five editions like D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. It started, I think, five years after D&D &D in Germany, and they have released the fifth edition of the game quite uh, actually where the beta to that version was released before I started playing. Or it was there. <laughs> Not really released, but it was there. And yeah. like, um, there's, a, I, I think we will talk in a later episode about the differences between role playing games we have actually played and what games you want to play and something. But let me tell you, everyone saying that D and D rules are complex. I've never played the first game of the Black Eye. Trust. Me. D and D is actually pretty simple. Yes, I but, but I think there are people that want to change the rules to be more complex. And let me tell you, sometimes it's just, sometimes you don't want it to be complex. You want it to be simple. I think that's yeah, I, actually the thing why I like D&D, &D, because it's so simple and I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah, and you, but you can do it even, uh, you, you can do it a more complex version of it with more skill sets, uh, skill checks and something like that. You can make it as complex as you want without over, uh, over com uh, complexifying it, if this is e uh, even a word. Mm -hmm. yes. You have the amounts, or you have a good amount of stuff that is very simple and just as simple as it should be. 
and you can have the ability to make it more complex. And I just um, uh, searched for it. The release for the Black Eye was in 1983. Mm -hmm. And actually, the German release for Dungeons and Dragons was 1983 as well. Yeah, I think that's actually... The, or, um, the official release was 1974, but in Germany it came into the bookstores and stuff like that in 1983. So nine years later, right? Yeah. For the Black Eye to D&D first. Yes, um, I think... Uh, the I, I don't know about this, but I think that they wanted to do another role-playing game for the German servants, because let's face it, D&D was made by Americans. So maybe those German authors thought to themselves, why not make it a ground-up German system? Like, I don't know if there's really any differences between that, but I, I actually think that the, the thought process behind that is that they want to make their, make their own system instead of just converting the rules into German. Because, now, let's get to the fifth edition of the black eye. For example, with the skill checks you just mentioned. Do you what, what do you think a skill check in the black eye actually is? Is it a straight roll with a dice of your choice? What is it? Do you know that or should I Um yeah, I actually played one game where you DM'd as well. Um I think it's uh, you roll three dice if I'm correct. Yes. For uh, each co um, in a array of uh, so you have three rolls um, which contribute to the um, skill check level. You have your your skill level which you can use to um, correct those f not um, or you can correct the rolls you missed by uh, the amount yes. you missed. Yes. And no. Uh, depending yes. Uh, depending on what you have left. Um, that is the amount of, um, not winning, that would be wrong, um, quality. success, the quality level of the um, success of the skill check. And it's uh, different to D&D, &D, so the lower you roll, the better you do. Yes, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's <clears throat> one is the critical hit, the 20 is the critical miss on a roll. You have eight ability scores in the game, not six, eight. There are dexterity is split up into um, the sleight of hand aspect and the dexterity aspect. And we have um, an another stat which is called courage. So mm -hmm. that's, that's eight then. And the other stats are just intelligence, wisdom, constitution, strength, charisma. Those are the stats. And from those eight stats, every skill check, of which there are not like 20 in TNT, but 60. 60 different skill checks. Every skill check has a different, unique um, composition of those of three of those eight abilities that you have to roll for it. Like, it's very, very detailed for, for um, a check to find... Um, tracks of any sort of thing would need to roll, I think, a, dex a, a dexterity check to see if you can follow them. You will have to roll, um, uh, I think, a wisdom check to know which tracks there are and a constitution. No, that's wrong. I will look this up very fast. Mm-hmm. And there so we yeah. have it. Yeah. Oh, oh, we have it. You have to roll courage, um, mm -hmm. intuition, which is wisdom, and dexterity um, to get the role for tracking. And everyone Instead that says D&D &D is not complex enough, those rules mm. from the Black Eye are not, in my opinion, complex, but they are way more complex than D&D. Definitely. Many so you just I have, have to roll with. three times to just follow some tracks instead of just one 
in, for example, in D and D with the survival check. Yeah, it's it's way more detailed, and it could uh, result in better better things. Like it's way more detailed and way more niche uh, at some things. Like we have checks for alchemy, we have checks for board and uh, games of chance, like. Uh, When you toss a coin, guessing on which side it is, there's actually a skill check for that. We have um, history, we have guards and courts, we have um, fishing and, um, yeah, fishing, like catching fish. It's an yeah. actual skill in the game. Like, that's. It's just. Um... And it's um, a positive and a negative thing, I think. Yes, Because it is. It is way more detailed, but it is way more detailed. So you have to think about more stuff, but you have um, a better possibility at specializing your character into a very niche position in the group. Yes, that, that, that's definitely the case. <clears throat> I have been... Um, from that game I have talked about earlier, from... The class trip. Those that that same group still plays a campaign that we started after that to this day with the same characters. Like some switches happened yeah. because one wanted to switch from a half elven wizard uh, or sorcerer or magic user to a dwarf, and then he switched back recently because the dwarf is now a king and can't go on adventure anymore. Yeah, that would be definitely very weird if he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, he actually does, kinda, but uh, sometimes he just has to stay home and protect his kingdom and his people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there any other funny stories we want to, you want to talk about? Anything interesting that you want to get out there in the world that happened recently or uh, very early on in your uh, DMing or playing campaigns? Whatever. Um, very recently, actually, we started an online campaign due to the lockdown and uh, with a homebrew setting of mine, which is still under construction or in progress you just have to imagine if you get on the or at the edge of the map there's something like there be dragons or still under contract construction please leave <laughs> so, so it's uh, still in progress and they um they got the it's a first level campaign and it the plan is to get it to level 12 13 so a bit of a longer campaign and they uh, got a quest to um, find out what happened to some missing per uh, persons in a special area the usual stuff you begin the usual first level stuff exactly so you uh, they found out there was a group of bandits hiding in an old ancient abandoned dragon temple The first thing they did when they fall, uh, fi uh, found the temple was uh, it was it had a, had a big metal door. The first thing they did is they knocked, and then they wondered, "Hmm, why did they expect us? We just got shut up by five bandits in uh, with their shortbows. Why did they do that? They shouldn't uh, couldn't know we were coming." You knocked on just a big fucking metal door. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, a, a player uh, nearly died, failed two death saves, until uh, the bard just used healing word, but damn, that was a fucking close call in the first one and a half hours into the game. Actually, that's... Um, <clears throat> It happens. Really close. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah. Wasn't the most fun moment for everyone. But thrilling nonetheless. Yeah, I actually think this uh, is a thing of evolving games. 
like in a group that has played for a very long time. They have sort of got a kind of playstyle going with their themselves that is unique to every group, like a code. And mm -hmm. if you have a group and they have, they are all quite experienced players, or at least some of them are, and they see a metal door in a dungeon. They have seen every trick you can throw at them. Like you have to knock at the door to open it. You don't have to knock and just say open, please. Yeah. Like they would, they would try the antique stuff first, just because they know that this could be a way that do it. And they now want to, and they, they, they fail to that, to those things once. Once did they fall to a metal door that you had just to knock on to get through. Now yeah. <clears throat> they know that and will never have to do that same mistake again and will always knock, which then creates another thing. Like you said, those bandits knew they were coming. Yeah, you can just throw some curveballs at them if you know what they are doing. Yeah, but yeah. always watch out. The players are throwing harder back at you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well... Do you have anything else you would like to talk about? Um, I, think I nearly had a TPK in one of my last games recently. Oh, I, I remember, yeah. I told you that before, yeah. but mm. I, I, I don't want to get into much of that because I think there will be another episode where we maybe talk in full length about our campaigns. Mm, which we could maybe, do. So... Or maybe a, uh, um, an episode just about how to deal with possible TPKs or actual TPKs and stuff like that. Yes, of course. Probably. Yeah. Um, that game, my players tried to talk with some people with the information they have gotten over the last course of months and sessions. And I've made it clear that they need to have that information at the ready. So. As you should. And, and, and yes, and they blundered it. Like, it happens. Sometimes you just think the information you, you, you say is correct, even though your notes say otherwise. Sometimes people just talk, which is good, because then there are no awkward pauses from you. But. Sometimes yeah. those people, uh, like, they they thought someone was a high-up uh, representative of a cult, which he does, he was not. He was just, well, they were just a nobody. And the players thought they were, they were the real deal. And so they used their name as a way to get to, to get into the castle, which didn't work. They asked themselves why. And they were brought to the leader of the castle, the actual leader. Were put in front of the of the door to the leader. They had no hit points, no spell slots, and the person standing in front of them was a vampire that said, I can knock on this door. Or you can give me what I want. Because the vampire wasn't really aligned with the cult, but sort of was. It, it, it's hard to get into, but basically my players tried to use the information they have gotten from me, didn't use it correctly, and nearly ended with TPK that I kind of... I, w I wanted to save that campaign. I didn't want it to end in TPK, actually. But mm. I would have killed them all if they made another mistake at that point. Like, they yeah. had the possibility to get out, but if they did something wrong, they were dead. And I told them that. I, I am yeah. not taking pity on them. Yeah, I mean, as long as uh, it's all clear to everybody, I mean, that's just how you can't always succeed in everything you do in D&D or in any role-playing game. That's just if how you, it works. Exactly. If you just mess up enough things for you to not, uh, not being able to succeed anymore you just can't you can try to escape with your lives and maybe try something else or at a different time but yeah that's just how it is and if they avert it 
the TPK, that's good. And if they don't, that just happens. Yeah. But that Still. doesn't mean that the experience was any any way worse. If they were yeah, TPK, or less enjoyable. We, we would have played probably a few weeks of one shots for me to get a new campaign ready, because it would have been very sudden for me that the campaign ended. So it would have had some time to prepare. And I've gave my players, uh, I would have had a survey at the ready, like a Google document, where I was asking, should we play a storeboard campaign, a completely homebrewn one, or should we somehow return to this campaign, like new characters? Because, well, they were sent off to find that cult. If they don't report back to their officials, those they will send in new people. That is yeah. something that is bound to happen. So they could play those new people if they want to. But they survived for the for the time being. We, we, we don't know. They are still in the castle. Um, That's always a possibility. <laughs> they, they are split up, completely cut off from each other. And now um, I need to prep some stuff for that because I did not expect them to be split up this way. Yeah, well, uh, splitting up the party, always a good idea. That's, all, <clears throat> that, that, that's just the nature <clears throat> of D&D &D as a DM. <laughs> yeah. You have to prep some stuff after every session just because your players threw a curveball or something at you or just hit you in the face with something. Yeah. So, as a general tip after the first episode, don't over-prep stuff because you can't... You, will not be able to anticipate every move your uh, players do and even if you could it would do uh, it would use so much of your time so just prep the things you need mm -hmm. and have fun with the game and the hobby in general the, the best tip i can give is obviously you need to be at somewhat good at improv not not necessarily be creating a story from the ground up in a second but if the players want to talk to a, a vendor in the city, to think about what that vendor looks like, and that is something you huh. kind of need to get good of over the time. But everyone has something like that books, um, video games, movies, or TV shows, or whatever, music, any kind of those things. Yeah. Just think about the things you like from there. Like if you read Harry Potter. You could, there you see description, when you read the books, there are descriptions of the characters. Those descriptions are something you can always use. Like you don't have to say yeah. his name is Harry Potter at the end, but um, you, when, when Harry is described as having like brown or blackish hair with, a gla with glasses on, on the top of his nose, that is a description you can use. And it's more or less uh, 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 snapped. Uh, you can instantly snap it into the game. You don't have to think about it much. Um, yeah, definitely. So use the mediums you enjoy mm. most. Like if you la if you are a big Potterhead, just use it. Just read, use it. Read Harry Potter, like you probably have already done and will do again, and use the things that are given to you from there. Use the tools that those world builders, because they are also world builders. J.K. Rowling built a world around Harry Potter, the books. Just use what she did, what you can see in the books to build your own world. And do yeah. start with the things you like, with the franchises you like. I'm a big Dishonored fan like of the game series. So, first off, I started to, I, I wanted to build my games kind of how they do it dystopian, um, mysterious, kind of um, unforgiving. And that is how mm -hmm. I tried to build my first actual homebrew world. Very dystopian, very dark, very grim and hollow. Something like that. Just use the medium you like most and try to adapt from there. And all the spontaneous improv that you need to do in a game in the game with which you can't prep will come naturally after 
dozens and dozens of play sessions play sessions you jammed so just don't let your head hang down keep it up and have fun yes and i can tell you every dm out there your players will understand if you say i do not have this prepped yeah if you say that in the session i at least as a player definitely as a player understand and as a dm it will always be understand understood there is no problem of admitting <clears throat> that you have not prepped the store the players want to go to because you didn't thought about it. Just ask them nicely to not be too uh, hard on you about that. They will understand. They want to have fun. You will have fun with them. And when they want to buy a rope, you let them go into the store and you don't have this all prepped. You can also say, I don't have this prepped. Just buy a rope. Yeah. yeah. It's nothing that, that, that doesn't have to be a storekeeper or something. They can just look in the manual from D&D, buy the rope, and get on with it. Don't have to improve that if you can't on the spot. Do it. No. Play your style. It's the most important thing. Definitely. So, um, I think that concludes our first ever episode of a fucking podcast we just did. Yes. I'm actually kind of hyped. I'm actually kind of shaking, shaking right now. Yeah, same. Um, we ju I just wanted to let you guys know you can find us on anchor.fm under um, double DM. We are also have a Twitter account, um, also called double DM or at double DM pod. Or you could, um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can head over to Emil's Twitter, which is master over space. <coughs> yes. And I think we will be creating some other social media stuff we want to use as channels we can communicate with you. We will through. announce, def we will definitely announce such things on Twitter. Definitely. And in the podcast episodes that come after we have done it. Yeah. A quick so, special thanks, first of yeah. all, to Paul for making the channel. Exactly. And yeah. being one of the first persons to actually say that he would be interested in such a podcast. Yeah. Um, we just asked around in our friends, in yes. our friend domain, if you can say stuff like that. <laughs> in the group. If, yeah, in the group, uh, would we, uh, if anybody would be uh, interested in that. And so after some questioning or questions we asked this, Thing just happened. Oh yes, it's very weird to actually be doing this. Like most of my projects, I just don't do them. Like I have yeah. plans for them, but I don't do them. Then, yeah, that's just um, yes. So that was the yeah, special, special, special things. But uh, I think that's it. We have no one else to thank because everyone is ungrateful to us. And we are the best people in the world, except for Paul. He's also great. Very great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And all the other stuff is done by us. So special thanks to us, I guess, and to you guys listening. Special thanks to you, Nils. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, so then we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye-bye.